Who do you say that I am? You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Blessed are you. For human wisdom and insight hasn't revealed this to you. You shall be the rock on which I build my church. That's quite an extraordinary thing to say about a man that just two weeks ago was a rock sinking into water. (laughs) It's quite an extraordinary thing to say the apostle to the Gentiles about Paul, who was one of the first and most fervent persecutors of the church. Moses, take off your sandals, for where you walk is holy ground. Quite an extraordinary thing to say about the founder of a faith who was abandoned and orphaned. All of these stories about all of these founding figures in our faith tradition, I think point to us the reality of our fear. The fear we experience, the fear that we project onto others, and the fear that keeps us from walking across water. I think that they are the principles in these stories of what leadership is about, especially in our Christian understanding. That these are people who lead because they've come face to face with fear, or they've come face to face with the fear that they've caused, or they are so aware of their fear that they realize that if they live into it, they sink like a rock. A founding figure of Moses. It's a wonderful story, we love that, but I think oftentimes we focus too much on finding the baby and making it this tale that's cute and cozy. It's a story of abandonment. How often have you thought about the result of that experience in Moses' life? I was adopted, some of you know. And it's been a long journey to uncover the fear that that experience created in me, fear that I wasn't even aware of until very late in my life, in my 50s, a fear of abandonment. And this story, I think, is about that. And I think that it's a story that's so rich for us because it's only in that experience that Moses had would he have an epiphany 
that answers the question Jesus asked Peter and us. I am. I am the great I am, the divine reality revealed to this orphan. I suspect living still in a lot of fear as he looked at a burning bush. But that's only part of the story because the really redemptive part of that story is that it can even come through your enemies and through their cohorts that you can be saved. It's not surprising to me how wonderfully and fully embraced the story of Moses and the figure of Moses has been for the African-American community, especially in this country. Because if you listen to the story as you heard it today, you get the real story, as Paul Harvey says. A system of governance that was created to keep this people weak, to limit their numbers, to drive them in to work so that Pharaoh and that regime could prosper. That's the story of white America, and I don't have to tell you that. It's not even just America. It's the white Western world. And if you look at the majority of fear that's caused in our world today, we have to own that it comes back to us. The expense, the trouble that we have to go to to keep white privilege and to justify it. It should be a rich reflection for you, especially for me now in this city of Milwaukee that celebrates the year anniversary of that rupture last summer. And if we think that that's healed, we are just creating more fear. We need to enter into that conversation again and again and say, how is it that we cannot act like these taskmasters and try to correct situations and even cultures that we don't really understand whether we need to let them flourish and help them but become what they are. That's a very different image of enculturation than we've practiced in America and the Western world. I think that's connected directly to this gospel. Listen to the location that Jesus asked this question. Caesarea Philippi. It was the new Rome of that world. It was built to create the image of empire in the Middle East. And so when Jesus asked this question to Peter, he's directly attacking or questioning the identity of that imperial government. The imperial government of the Romans was to represent God on earth, Caesar Augustus. And what Jesus says to Peter is, who do you say that I am? And Peter answers. 
But we'll find out next week (laughs) that Peter will stumble and he has it wrong again. What Jesus is saying is, I am, and my program that follows represents the divine revelation. That's why he says to Peter, it's divine that has been revealed to you. God has revealed this, not human minds that are sitting in Caesarea Philippi in that palace representing the imperial rule. There's been a lot of focus on Peter, even in our tradition of Christians. For us, this story has been part of our identity as Episcopalians. We founded our identity as an American church based on the succession of bishops and needing bishops that could go back to Peter and the apostles. In the Catholic side of our faith, this is called the Petrine privilege or the primacy of Peter. And many Christians hold it. Just when St. Or when Pope Francis was elected, I had Episcopalians in my congregation say, are we happy about our new pope? (laughs) And I was really surprised by that. And I thought, well, okay, right? But as historians and scholars have looked at Petrine privilege and the primacy of Peter and the primacy of Rome for Christian churches, they've pointed to something that I think is a little bit more profound And it's the primacy of Rome comes from the fact that the martyrs died there. The blood of the martyrs stained the city, including Peter's. And because of that, Rome was held as an example of how it is that Christians live and how, as Paul says in this letter to the Romans, you present yourself as a spiritual sacrifice your body as a living sacrifice, a living making sacred, a revelation of God. That's the privilege of Peter. And it'll become the privilege of Paul. And if we follow that, it will become our privilege also. If only we could do that. In the smallest way, I don't think it means that you have to go out into the street necessarily and be martyred, but just this week, and I'm not knocking eclipses, (laughs) I was amazed at how infatuated people were with this, the spiritual experience they had about this occurrence, and yes, all of nature is one, but I thought, what about the spiritual occurrence of I am standing before you everywhere that you look. The marvel of the human being, especially the ones that we've persecuted, that represent and make the image of God visible to us. Maybe it's that we see it too often and we only get to see a moon and a sun cross every 20 years or so. But one's a natural occurrence The other is a sacred manifestation. And I think only when we begin to focus on that and the fact that we want to be received the way that others want to be received, 
we'll begin to get it, and we'll be able to answer this question that Jesus poses to Peter and know the answer to it. It's the question that Jesus asks St. Paul's today. St. Paul's, who do you say I am? And our answer and our response is completely in our hands. Amen.